On Local Matters, this week we don't have a real topic like you're used to. This week is about people. We've invited some Luxembourg residents who commit their time and their efforts to politics and combats abroad. On Tuesday we had Alias Pengov on the microphone, who just keeps blogging about Slovenian politics on his blog Sleeping with Pengovsky, although he has been living in Luxembourg for two decades. Yesterday, Solmas Jodairi Saba told us about her activism against the regime in Iran and how she feels about not being there to support her people. Today, for the last piece of this week, we talk about Ukraine. I've invited two people in our studio. Philip Schockweiler is a journalist from Luxembourg who has made several trips to Ukraine this year to report about what's happening behind the news. He is our second interview guest today, but before we hear what the association Al Ukraine has been up to lately with Vice President Inna Yarimenko. So it's been a while that you haven't been here in our studios. Uh, yes, I think it was in spring. Well, in the beginning, many media have reported about your activities at Al Ukraine. Now, recently, it has become a bit more quiet, which is natural, I guess. Ah, uh, yes, that's why we try to raise awareness and to tell people, don't forget, <laughs> don't use to this situation. Yeah, you actually have continued a lot of work more in the background. How has your work changed in the last month? What have you been up to? Actually, I cannot say I am like it became more calm <laughs> for us. <laughs> I still sleeping for four or five hours <laughs> per night. Of course, uh, the first month uh, there was a, a big solidarity and our team was uh, quite big. But uh, of course, uh, most of our members they came back to the, the job. That is normal, as well as the vo volunteers. But we still have a lot of different missions. Our priority is still to help Ukraine emergency response to Ukraine and our second mission is to uh, provide assistance to refugees who are here. Uh, for example, uh, last month we opened a study school for children. Uh, we are still have the language courses, uh, psychological assistance to refugees. Um, but of course, um, I don't know if we'll still continue to do this next year because we are totally depends on donations. All members of our team are volunteers. We don't have any salaries or some other uh, incomes. We will see how it's going, but uh, now we're still doing a, a lot of projects. And for Ukraine, of course, as, as I said already, is our big priority because the war is still there. And... Uh, The situation is very critical, and for now, on the half of the country, we don't have electricity. And you don't have electricity, you don't have uh, hot water, so we expect a very, very difficult winter in Ukraine. And that's why uh, we launched some project like Generator of Life, for life. Uh, so we collect money for the generator. That, uh, today in for Ukraine, it's something very, it's like a gold. <laughs> uh, you need them everywhere. 
for for the hospitals, for schools, kindergartens, for uh, any 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 apartments you need a generator. Yeah, I've seen on your website that you're collecting funds via crowdfunding, but it doesn't seem to work that well for now, right? Yes, of course. Uh, the fundraising, uh, it's no, uh, it's also normal situation. It's uh, natural. The people already made a lot of donation, and we very appreciate for for this. Uh, and now it's became more slowly, <laughs> but the most important, you have to continue to help, and you will make a big impact, really. In any case, we try to do everything we can. And for example, we also launch as a big project is a global fundraising project called Ukraine is Calling. That's about the ambulances. Uh, yes. Uh, so our goal um, to uh, send to Ukraine 112 rescue cars, ambulances and fire truck. We had another project, your ambulance. We collect money for your ambulances um, to send them to the war zone. And we were in touch with the uh, emergency sta state emergency service of Ukraine and also with the, min with the Ministry of Health. And we understood that uh, ambulance and fire trucks are in very huge uh, demand in Ukraine. Mm -hmm. And that's why we got this idea to launch this global project. Uh, and Luxembourg is the first is the first country is the first step in this project because um, uh, this this project we launched it in October and this project was supported by the major media in Luxembourg all the biggest uh, media uh, including ARA Radio um, supported this project uh, and a lot of other companies in Luxembourg and as already as a result in two weeks Even, even less, uh, on 21st of December, we are sending to Ukraine the first uh, rescue cars. It will be uh, these with uh, ambulances and fire trucks. 18. 18, sorry, <laughs> 18. Um, and eight of them will be donated by the Ministry of Home Affairs. The Luxembourg Ministry. Yes. That also our partners they supported us and so. Mm, for you personally, well, I remember quite well last time when you were here. You said um, you work twenty four hours per day on this mission. Has this changed? Have you found enough supporters, enough members to balance your workload? No, actually, for me it's still the same. I'm really work on this 24 hours and seven days per week. I left my job. It was my choice. And uh, I'm very grateful for my husband. He was supporting me in this decision. But I don't see any uh, other choice personally for me. I cannot use to this. I won't accept the situation like a normal life and to find some balance just to to go to office to do some normal jo job uh, as i did before and then afternoon volunteering for the association I, i cannot do this for me it's my life uh, every time i passing by the christmas market uh, with all these uh, lights with people laughing drinking hot wine uh, 
I always see another picture. I see dark cities, dark Ukrainian cities. The people uh, have no electricity, have no heating, uh, and I, I cannot stop uh, doing what I do. That's how I am. Well, then, good luck with uh, all the work you do, and I hope that one day well, the of war course, stops. Uh, of course, uh, I truly believe in this. Perfect. And thank you, Luxembourg, for supporting Ukraine. And Just luck. don't stop. Yes, and donate. <laughs> yes, donate. <laughs> okay, thank you, Inna. Thank you. Have a nice day. Inna Yarimenko is the vice president of the association L-Ukraine. She explained what their missions are right now. But L-Ukraine is not the only people in Luxembourg who commit their time and efforts to the people in Ukraine. We have a second guest for Local Matters today. Since Russia invaded Ukraine in February, the Luxembourgish journalist Philipp Schockweiler keeps traveling to Ukraine to report about the war, the life, the people. Just a few days ago he returned from his last mission and today I'm happy to welcome Philipp Schockweiler in our studio. Um, hi Philipp. Hi. Thank you for coming in. You have just now returned from Ukraine from your latest um, journey. Well, mm. journey is maybe not the right word. Mission. Yeah. A mission, a yeah. mission, yes. How many times have you been uh, to Ukraine since the invasion uh, started? I think I, I lost count there because in the first uh, weeks of the war I was there for a longer time and I crossed over many, many times just for Uh, smaller reports and then I came back I slept in Poland so I don't know it must be <laughs> around about 10 times I guess yeah. most of the journalists from abroad who are not from Ukraine they went there once or they go there once for one big story and then don't go back anymore you instead you continue to go back again and again to report yeah. for Luxembourgish media why is that what keeps you keeps you going Well, first of all, it's my choice to do it. It's I, like nobody tells me like uh, you make a report about this and that. So, as a freelancer, I'm pretty pretty independent in choosing my topics and uh, choosing what I want to do. So, why do I keep going back? I think it's worse to tell the story of Ukrainians, and it's uh, worse to tell the stories that are actually for me. Uh, much more important than uh, the daily ticker uh, news that we get from, you know, the Russians have taken 200 meters in Bakhmut and the Ukrainians have repelled an attack. But it's about telling the stories of the people. Because I think the first misconception about this war is that it is a war that is fought on the whole territory of Ukraine. It affects everybody right now for the last weeks. And I think you realize that when you get in, I mean, when you get in from Hungary or Poland, you know, blackouts they occur within minutes when you enter the country so it is a war fought against the ukrainian people their culture their energy infrastructure their, their lifestyle their democracy basically and i think it's 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 very very important to keep telling these stories and not just focus on you know the the, the combat actions itself but uh, really tell the stories about the civil society this young democracy that's um, yeah that's trying to survive What is it you think that you can bring to the media landscape that local journalists in Ukraine or in the region can't? I think that one thing is the language barrier and the, the barrier of 
this, uh, yeah, basically the barrier of that news, tra especially, you know, this news about local events and the news about local initiatives, they don't travel that far, especially when the language barrier is involved. So for me, it's about uh, bringing these stories to life and visualizing, but also uh, giving these people voices in Europe and uh, especially with all their dreams, their aspirations. And so whenever I work there, my main goal is to amplify these voices. So um, it's not about me, uh, it's not about any connection to, to Europe or to Luxembourg, but it's really about amplifying these voices because I really think that they deserve to be uh, heard. Which topic have you been working on for your latest report? For my latest report, actually the two last times I had one study visit more or less, which I did four weeks ago. I was preparing a bigger project and this project I finalized now, which is together with uh, Bosepark in Berlin and uh, Spotify Germany. We are producing a huge podcast about, well, exactly that, about the stories of Ukrainian journalists and how they see the war and how their subjects also see uh, the war. So we are creating, which is coming out soon, end of December, around the 20th, 22nd of December, a German language podcast about uh, the war in Ukraine, which is divided into 11 segments with 11 stories from 11 different journalists or podcasters, but uh, bringing them to a, to a German uh, audience. And so that has been a lot of work. So I've had to go there one time just to prepare. And uh, now we've uh, just finished uh, being there for a little over a week to produce uh, and uh, the conditions were quite tough because not one sound studio is working so you do that yourself you do that in a hotel um, while there are blackouts while there are aerial attacks so it was a challenging uh, process but I think we're very happy with uh, the results and we can't wait to share that. Can you describe a bit what kind of people you have met in the last week and what kind of experience you have made? I've met with two journalists and one documentary filmer and one podcaster. And we were producing some of the stories that have either marked them or their audiences uh, for, for, for sustainably, I would say. So we've had one journalist who works with a big outlet in Ukraine who's been to the city of Leman, which is very strategic uh, both a logistics center but also a, a railway um, hub which is situated near Severodonetsk which is like really on the front line it was recently end of September beginning of October it was liberated and he was one of the first ones to go in there so we've produced a segment of literally him and his crew uh, going to the streets where the people for the first time come out of the bunkers and of, of the cellars to to ask them, are you Ukrainian? Are you Ukrainian? And so, so this is a very intense episode. Um, but we also focused on um, the life of uh, minorities. I think it's it's also important to, to keep that uh, open. I'm very interested by these topics uh, as well. I produced myself several articles about the situation of Roma in, uh, in Ukraine. But uh, we also worked with uh, some LGBT plus activists who, and also journalists who told the stories about, for instance, transgender people in war, how they perceive the war, how they are changing their documents during war while still working at the military. So just to show that uh, the hardships uh, are on so many multiple different uh, levels, and uh, especially when it comes for uh, transgender people who are, I think, 
this has been a terrible year for transgender people everywhere around the world and uh, discrimination and attacks are, are unfortunately rapidly growing and uh, so you have this double pressure of this premise and also the pressure while these people in Ukraine are living uh, in a scenario of an invasion or of an uh, occupation. So that was an episode we produced uh, as well. I imagine that it's quite challenging to choose, though, if there's so much misery, so many problems, mm. and especially in normal media reporting, these minority groups often are kind of put back um, because there is so much going on on the yeah. on a universal level. How do you manage to choose topics, to choose this one story, to choose this one group to report on instead of reporting on another group? I think it uh, mainly has to do also with uh, my, my interests and what interests me and uh, the topics where I feel comfortable working in. I've always been interested by these topics and have uh, read up a lot on, in, on on these topics. So I really like also to feel comfortable in a topic, especially when I go to a war zone or, or a country at war, I think it's, you still have to do a lot of listening and you have to do a lot of, I mean, you put on these uh, journalistic gloves also, so you have to be very, very careful. So for me, it's, yeah, it, the motivation is definitely what, what interests me. But I've, like I said, I'm always interested by telling the story also of uh, groups which are uh, either uh, minority groups or groups that are under attack and to see how the human condition evolves uh, during uh, wartime. And I think that it is, um, I mean, already in a society, it's always quite telling how minority groups are treated. But I think especially in the war, and I think that we can definitely see that in Ukraine, that uh, it's, for instance, the LGBT com plus community, which is uh, heavily uh, engaged within the army and fighting and very visible also. I think that they see it a bit as a rite of passage uh, and uh, there have been uh, presidential um, openings to, to change the uh, law in, in Ukraine. So, And I think that um, it has helped to bring many people together, actually, as uh, crazy as it sounds. But um, this has been told to me by transgender people, people from the LGBT plus community, but also, for instance, uh, Roma citizens and Roma people who are very much involved in the war effort who also say, well, look, this is a rite of passage for us. Uh, we do this because we are Ukrainians, but we also have a Roma identity, but this is a rite of passage for us. It shows that we are this uh, multi-ethnic, pluralistic state and that it's all coming together and it's all working together. So maybe that's one of the few positive things that happened during this war. But is it really, in your experience, is it really working that well that perfectly i feel like in war reporting it's a lot of black and white mm -hmm. it's the evil ones and the, well at least in this war mm -hmm. the evil russians and the mm -hmm. good ukrainian mm -hmm. portrayed as a bit of like a holy nation mm -hmm. but i can imagine that also within ukraine within the ukrainian people there are still tensions absolutely how do you experience this i mean i was told this by a transgender person which is uh, one of the guests of our podcast who said that, uh, of course, uh, when people see that you change your papers, uh, they will ask the question, wait, this, this is a female name. And, and, you know, so they will ask these questions. But uh, somehow um, uh, this transgender person stated that 
in wartime it's easier to rebuke it and it's easier to go against it and the force by which these homophobic acts even if you just ask it's a homophobic act happen or transphobic acts happen it is uh, not the same as it used to be but still you are absolutely right um, it is a society which still struggles with its young statute as a democracy but I think it's uh, quite interesting to see that it, it is uh, a state with a young democracy that's actually trying to, to, to do it and to, to make an impact and do a change with all the historic problems uh, the society and uh, the democracy in Ukraine has had and has faced and the setbacks that there were there. But still, I think that uh, people are, at least since the full-scale invasion, are trying to, to pull on the same uh, end of, uh, yeah, to, to get it done, yeah. Okay, then let's hope that these efforts will pay out one day yeah. and that also that you can continue your work safely. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, there's, there's probably already the next projects ready for me to go back. So, yeah, we'll always try to stay safe and do the best of it. But you never know. We've been to situations where we would have never expected aerial attacks, but we've uh, faced them. And there were targets which no one ever would consider a target, like schools, hospitals, and uh, schoolyards and playgrounds, which were attacked. Yeah, so this war has definitely changed, I think, our perception of, of, of the enemy of the, in this conflict. That was Philip Schockweiler in our interview on Local Matters, telling about his work reporting as a journalist about Ukraine. And this was our last episode of this week's Local Matters, where we talked to Luxembourg residents who are active for politics in a different country. Tune in again next week. And meanwhile, you can re-listen to this week's pieces on rcityradio.com.